Good morning, Rock Bible Church, both online and live and in person. Good to see you all. We're going to change it up a little bit. We've been doing our series in the book of Romans, and we will continue and revisit. We have three more chapters to do, but it's Christmas, folks. So we're starting our Christmas series uh, for the month of December. We're going to go through the Christmas story. And each year, I try to look at it from a different perspective. The road to Christmas was one year, you know, what was the path that led us there? Um, this year, I was, I was preparing and talking with Brent about it and what we were going to do. And these angels kept popping up. Wait, Scott, you were seeing angels? No, in the story. They were showing up in the story. Um, I want to introduce to you our series for, for this month, this year, The Angels of Christmas. Uh, one of the ways you can look at the Christmas story is you can look at it as told by different angel encounters. Angel shows up and uh, presents himself to Zechariah and gives him a message. Angel shows up and, and talks to Mary. Then an angel shows up and talks to Joseph. Then an angel shows up, angels show up and talk to the shepherds. And then after the Christmas story is all done, he's born. And, you know, eight days later, they do the circumcision, the whole thing. And boom, here comes another angel with another message. And so I wanted this year for us to look at Christmas through the eyes of what was presented by the angels. Now, why is this? Because the angels are super important? Not really. They're messengers. In fact, one of them is known as the messenger angel. His name is, Fernando, do you remember? Gabriel, Gabriel right? Happens to be someone's first son. Their job is to bring a message. Anybody guess, we're at church, I'm going to ask a question, whose message are they bringing? God's. So when we see the angels, uh, we really get to see God and how he is sending us information. Uh, that's great news for us because it means we have a God who wants to be interactive, wants to be around us. Amen? So we're going to get started on that this, uh, this morning. First angel in the story is the angel to Zechariah. So we're going to be looking at that uh, passage, uh, that story in Luke chapter 1. Uh, so get your Bibles out or you can uh, watch up here or you can, if you got a phone app, that's great too. But uh, let's Let's be mindful of the story of Christmas through the way the angels projected it. And then uh, at the end today, before we go, before the blessing, we've got some announcements, uh, excitement for moving forward as a church. So let's uh, stick around for that at the end. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into our passage. Lord, thank you for this morning, and thank you for this season. Thank you for this life, all of it tied up around your agenda, your purpose, uh, your value of self, and your value of us. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us more and more in greater ways to see how it all fits together, to understand with confidence, with hope and peace, as we've talked about these two Sundays, uh, who you are, who we get to be in you, and what great lengths you went to get our attention, to prove all of this to us. Pray, Lord, that that would be part of what happens this morning. I thank you for what Ashley prayed a moment ago, that we would leave here changed, uh, 
pray, Lord, that you would prepare us and do that work. Pray you do it through this service, through this passage, our time, guided, may it bless and may it honor you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, Zachariah, sometimes people forget Zachariah is part of the Christmas story. We think Christmas, we think baby Jesus. Joseph, Mary, and the little drummer boy. He's one of my favorite characters, by the way, which he's not actually in Scripture. But we've got all these stories. The story of Christmas actually begins prior to any of that with this couple that's not doing very well. And we're going to look at them this morning and see how God reaches out and, and draws them into Christmas. Uh, I think it's a great lesson on how God wants to draw us into Christmas. Now, that's a great way to say it for our season, but to draw us into Christ, to draw us into himself, to have relationship with him. Uh, more than just a, an opportunity for us to give gifts and remember, God wants to draw us into an ongoing, regular relationship that, yes, gets to Easter, and we value that as well, but in the month of May or October or any time of the week, we're ongoing in relationship with him. That it's first and foremost, it's, here's a word for you, prominent. Uh, or as uh, one of the epistles says, that Christ might come to have first place in all things. Love that. Let's see how Zachariah and Elizabeth did this, all right? This is uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 5. By the way, there's a great four-verse intro to Luke um, as to why he's writing this and his attention to Theophilus. You can check that out another time. It's just kind of the intro. And then here's where the Christmas story starts for, for Luke in this gospel. Uh, verse 5, here we go. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. It's kind of interesting, priest. That means he's probably um, from uh, Aaron's tribe in the tradition. Uh, he's <clears throat> he's going to be serving in the temple uh, of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Okay, So she's from the priestly line as well. Right? So we've, we've checked all the boxes for them to be priests, right? Her name was Elizabeth. Now, side note, just for me, for fun, I used to get all excited about this because my mom's name is Elizabeth. And it's like, wow, my mom's in the Bible, which is very exciting. That gives you hope, right? A little status and when you're a little kid, it's like, wow, my mom, that's a really, I wonder if my name's in the Bible. I went looking for Scott. Well, I'm still searching. Let's just say it that way, you know. Uh, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. How are they doing? They love the Lord? They're doing their best? Apparently, Luke seems to think that they were Knocking it out of the park. Uh, walking with the Lord in a way that's effective. Well, I'm sure that totally paid off for them. Let's find out. But they had no child. Ouch. That's the very next phrase. Hey, they're doing all the statutes, the commandments. They're blameless. They're righteous. They, they got in the best story in the number one selling book of all time. 
And yet they can't have a child? Because Elizabeth was barren. Now, I was excited that my mom was in the Bible, but I was a little depressed that the character was having a rough time. Want to have kids and you can't have? I thought this relationship with the Lord, this equation, this system, I thought it was supposed to work. Isn't that what we talk about every Sunday? You know, give it some time, you'll be fine. God's on your side. I mean, you're always faithful, you're always good, you're always God. We're just saying that. Well, how come it's not working? She's barren. Not only she has no child, she's also barren, which means she can't have a child. Well, that's rough. That made me question faith, I think. And both were advanced in years. Oh, okay, so let's just add insult to injury. You got a good marriage and you're following the Lord, but you're old and you can't have kids. How are they feeling before we move on? How are they feeling? They got hope? That's a great question, Scott, because they're walking blameless and they're righteous and they're following the statutes and the whole thing, but where is their faith? Are there some questions there? Absolutely. For us, how's our faith? How are we walking? Best we can, there's still things that are challenging. Yes? Things we don't like. Things that attack our hope, wreck our peace, because we let them. Zachariah and Elizabeth have some choices to make about how they view God and how they view life and how they view their situation, their circumstance, their experience. Those are all the same uh, questions and things we get to ask in our own relationship. I think in many ways we're very much like them. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So apparently this guy Lot decided that Zechariah should go in. No, it's not. It's not a guy named Lot. They cast lots. Luck of the draw. Which, I want you to question that phrase. Luck of the draw? Mm, I don't know about that. Do you think God had a plan? Do you think it was random he got selected? God doesn't do random, right? It's like the assistant lady in the Jason Bourne movie. She says, oh, these agents, they don't do random. There's an agenda going on, right? He's having a rough time, and God says, yeah, I'm going to take you into the temple. What's the temple? What do we do in the temple? Well, we don't really get to go in there much. We stand on the outside and maybe we sing outside. We bring an offering or something. Okay, that's good. Sometimes we barter and deal outside the town. It's a good social gathering place. The main purpose of the temple is who dwells there. God is dwelling in the temple. And I love that this says, oh yeah, just the lot fell on Zechariah. Hmm, let's think about that a little bit more. What did he just get front row invitation to? An interaction with God? Now, they're supposed to go in and, and do, a, a, do a sacrifice and the whole thing. They would tie a rope around the guy that went in because if you did it wrong uh, and, and you were unclean or something like that, then the, 
the tradition was that they would die and then no one wants to go get them because if you go in there and you're unclean, you could die too. And if it just happens, why, what are the odds, right? So they'd use the rope to pull the priest out. So he's got this rope attached to him and he goes in and he's, he's been uh, chosen to burn the incense. Verse 10, and the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Where are the people? Outside. He's by himself. Does he and God a, there's a great commentary devotion there that your relationship is really just you and him. Everyone else is outside. And there appeared to him an angel. Here we go. The angel to Zechariah. Angel of the Lord. Right? We established earlier he's the one given the message. He stand on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah said, wow, fancy meeting you here. He was troubled. He knows exactly where he's going. He's going to the altar of incense, and there's an angel. He was troubled. That's, that's like the most generic way to say it. He was petrified, <laughs> scared to death. He's probably looking down at this rope, and oh, they're finally going to use it. I must have done something wrong. This is a guy who was righteous, did everything he could. What was the value to him? His commitment to the Lord. One of the thoughts, one of the doubts might have been, maybe in my attempts I fell short. I mean, maybe that's why she's barren, I can't have kids. Maybe that's why the lot fell on me, because God brought me in, because it's over. Those are rough questions. You know, they don't really tell you that, those perspectives when you're in Sunday school class as a kid. Right? It's all fun and but life is real. There are risks. And God takes everything seriously. Amen? They can't imagine what it would be like to be Zachariah. I hope I'm not him. I'm scared what my interaction with an angel would be. Would I handle it? I'd, I'd probably do a sarcastic joke like I tend to do and everything and get myself in a lot of trouble. But here he is panicking. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. That's a great um, phrase that the Bible uses to say, you know, he became afraid is one thing. For fear to fall on you is like you're getting crushed, avalanche on top of you, like heavy, right? But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Or in some of the translations that we remember of old, he would say, what? Fear not, right? Economy of words. Fear not. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Why would he have to tell him that? Because he was afraid, and Zechariah has a track record of, I've done what the Lord has asked me to do, and yet there's parts of my life that seem to not be working. Anybody claim that? I'll claim that this year. I hate that my first Sunday of 2022, I stood on that stage and told you that, don't worry, 2020 was bad, 2021 was worse, but no, don't worry, 2022 has to be better. You have proof now, not a prophet can't tell the future. Worst year ever. I have more questions than ever before. 
probably some future ones coming that you'll find out in a few weeks to come. So yeah, I got questions. I bet Zachariah had questions. What do we do with those questions? Well, God says, don't be anxious. Relax. Light the candle of peace. Have a little hope. Why? Can't have kids. Just love my mother-in-law. I mean, there's all these different, different people have different issues, right? Don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. Oh, great. You heard my prayers. How wonderful. How about answering them? How about answering the prayers rather than hearing them? Right? No. In the Bible, most of the time, if they're heard, they're answered. We think in terms of, well, he listened, but he didn't do anything. No, in biblical times, in Jewish mentality and thought, if they heard it, they did something. If they didn't do anything about it, then they really didn't hear it. This is great news. Your prayer has been heard. Let's prove it. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. Whoa. What do you think he wanted more than anything? No, he wanted to get out of the temple alive. Second most important thing he wanted was a son. He hears this from an angel. It's like, wait, I thought I was dying in this moment. You're telling not, not only are we skipping the death thing, we're going to do more life? How fast can I get out and tell my wife, Liz, get over here. I got good news, right? For your prayers have been heard. She will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Oh, I found my name. Oh, you guys all call me Scott couple people call me Scotty. My real first name is John. Scott's my middle name. So now I have a story with my mom's name and my name. Imagine the excitement. And it went from bad to good. Old couple can't have kids. Angel comes. Instead of killing, gives them a great message and a promise. We've got life coming, but it's conditional. We're signing a contract. We're going to do this for you but you're going to name him John. Now, is that a deal you'd make? You sign that deal? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Let's find out. We're going to read a little bit farther and find out if Zechariah follows through on this. Uh, verse 14, and you will have what? You will have joy. Do you believe that there's joy in your future? Do you believe that you can tap into that joy now in spite of current circumstances? Because that's what Zachariah is struggling with here. Going into Christmas season for us as a culture, humans in the Tri-Valley, California, whatever. There's a lot going on. Can we step into the season and enjoy it for at, at, full value? It's a great question. You're going to call his name. You have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth. Okay. Hmm. 
a guy that was born and his name was John. Lots of them will like him. He's going to bring joy and gladness. Are we, are we recognizing who this might be? Anybody recognize this story? Who's, who's about to come on the scene? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Does that end up being a true statement? If we get farther into the scriptures on a story beyond Christmas, we hear amazing stories about this guy. Did God keep his promises? I don't understand that question. There's no such thing as a promise from God. There's a dictation. This is how it will be. It's not a promise. I'm just telling you the future as it will happen. In fact, one of the ways he calls that is covenant. We don't use that word anymore. Love that he shows up and he does this and he follows through that. And for he will be great. 15, he will be great before the Lord. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time this morning. Do you have a shot at greatness? Can you be great? And yet we're so great at doubting great. In the midst of his doubting great, who shows up? Say God. In the midst of his doubt, who shows up? Say it. God shows up. Here's an angel. Buddy, we're, we're about to put on a show. You're going to be center stage. There's going to be lights. It's going to be awesome. And it won't be rained out. He's going to be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. Okay, the contract is continuing. Now we know his name. We've got some restricted behaviors. Still a good deal? Okay. At home, I want you to say yes out loud because only half of the people in here, they're a little bit nervous. Something. This is a great deal. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. What? I'll take that deal in a second. One, because my name's already John. <laughs> Two, I won't drink anything. If you could tell me I get to be filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. Does God always offer us a better deal than we offer him? Yeah. And yet we get so freaked out. This little thing happens, somebody says something, the job changes, whatever, somebody breaks up with you, let them go. You have God. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they give us this little phrase. Even from his mother's womb. Even from his mother's womb. What's going to happen while John is still in his mother's womb? Is God going to be working in him? How's that work? Like a fetus in a body, like what can a Holy Spirit do? Right? Does the boy have a name? Is he filled with a spirit? Is there a plan for his life? Does he have parents? Is he born yet? 
I ask you, I beg you on Sunday morning, is it a life? We don't do politics, folks, not at church. But by God, we don't do abortion. That's going to be my verse for a long time when that issue comes up. Do we love women? Absolutely, all the time. Are they equal in every way? Absolutely. Does God honor them through Scripture even though men did not? Absolutely. But we also honor life. I want to make sure that we're clear that God's clear on life. Okay? You vote accordingly because I'll never tell you how to vote. Verse 16, you got to imagine, <laughs> we're just partway through the presentation of the angel, and Zechariah is spinning, isn't he? He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Who is Elijah? Bus boy down at the local restaurant? Elijah was one of the most powerful prophets in the history of all Israel. Took on the 400 prophets of Baal. He made fire come from the sky. He made it stop raining. He, he did all kinds of stuff. Great stories. Maybe that'll be our next New Testament book. We'll go through that, that book and see what, who Elijah was. But this is to say, uh, John's going to come on the scene, not as a beggar, not as a, this little thing that people might hear about once in a while. No, he's going to come on the scene, and some historians will say he may have had a bigger following than Jesus himself. Whoa. Now, there's some human things to that that make sense. It's pretty safe to just go get baptized and see some odd guy with hair and eating locusts and that's not too bad. You get around Jesus, well, people die. So maybe I'll follow the guy who's doing the baptism, not the crucifixion. But he says, yeah, we're, we're going to do great. Remember that word we used it? He used it earlier. He's going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. There's something about dads born to God. Absolutely. Does it say he's going to say, turn the uh, heart of the fathers to the boys? No. It says to the children. It's a big statement there, especially in that culture. And the disobedient, are we addressing obedience as a primary message in the Christmas story at the very beginning? Prior to even getting John the Baptist, God apparently cares about obedience. When God says, do these kind of things, don't do those kind of things, and we say, eh, let's throw them up, shuffle them around, I'll pick and choose. God says, oh, that's what we're doing? Pick and choose? Great, I love this game. I'm going to pick and choose when I bless you, when I don't, when I scourge you. Just wanted to use that word scourge. I want to give you things to doubt. I want to give you things that get your attention and drag you back in here. I got my own rope, Zachariah. And it's a spiritual one. 
want to drag you away from death and into life. I absolutely love that. The disobedient, we're going to turn the disobedient to the wisdom. Is wisdom important to God? Is there a way to reason that makes sense that's more important than personal preference or what you want or what someone else wants? Absolutely. One of the great questions you can ask when you're dealing with a situation is, where's the wisdom in this? What's the end game? What's the cost? Who will it affect? Is this a good use of our money? Is this a good stewardship of our time? Would God be in it? And folks, we're in a culture that doesn't want to ask those questions anymore. Our culture asks one question. Do I get my way? I want to. Wah, wah, wah. God says, no. We're going to do obedience. We're going to do wisdom. And the wisdom of the just. Just what? Just young enough? Just No. That's short for another word, right? We're going to add is on the end, right? What's our word? Justice. justice. Is justice important to God? Yeah. Absolutely. God says, I'm coming back on the scene in ways where I'm going to bring some order, some wisdom. And we're going to see who wants to play. Good news, Zach. You get a uniform. You made the team. Let's go score. Let's have some fun. I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to why? Why are we doing this? For what purpose? So that can make for the Lord, for God, not for you, not for me, not for the majority, not for those who voted for it. No, make ready for the Lord, because he's in charge of all things. Amen? A people, a people? Which people? What's that word there with two Ps in it? What's God want? More than people, he wants prepared people. Ooh. Okay, what's a prepared person? That's the next question, right? And what are they preparing for? Now, you know this. You're getting prepared as we speak. Some of you already begun. In fact, some of you I dislike very much. I'm done with all my Christmas shopping. Uh, you're that far ahead? We understand the idea of getting prepared for something. How much do we prepare for God to be in our life, to lead us, to direct us, to show us wisdom, to show us justice, to show us when we're disobedient? He says, look, these are the people I'm looking for. Now, is this a lot for Zechariah? I mean, it's a great contract, but I haven't really seen this happen before. And I know my track record, if I'm Zechariah's, I'm already old. It's been a long time. I've seen a lot of things. I haven't seen a kid yet. What's Zechariah struggling with? Starts with D, rhymes with out. He's struggling with doubt. How do we know this? 
Scott, you're just making that up. No, I read the next verse, verse 18. Zachariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Wait, how? am I actually going to experience this? Wait, who are you again, angel? What are you trying to say? Are you po- Did Tovi put you up to this? Right? How do I know this? This is a statement of doubt. There's a current... Um, translation of what we say today's culture really really you're gonna drop that on me now how about 20 years ago we could have done this i mean i would have had more energy you can imagine all the things going through his head i'm an old man and that's by the way that's actually the text i'm not actually saying that about myself okay for i am an old man and my wife is advanced in years What's he probably kind of implying about the wife? He's already said they're old. They know that. that She's advanced in years. He's probably referencing a little bit the idea that she's barren. We're we're beyond childbearing time. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, here's the problem. Zach Rice should remember. He's a good Jew. There's a story way back. Way back. How about very first book of the story? Genesis. Old couple, beyond the years, didn't have a kid. All of a sudden, they have a son. And did they doubt? They sure did. In fact, they named the kid, he laughs. Why? They were laughing at God. They didn't think God could do it or would do it. or They thought it was unlikely. Why? Because their own track record. Here, Zechariah has the same message given to him. He should be referencing this older thing. And yet, in the midst of God's truth, we still doubt God's truth because of our own experience. That's super dangerous because then you've got to learn the hard way. It's advanced in years. Verse 19, and the angel's like, what? The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. Hi, I'm Gabriel. This is not a... Hey, let's shake hands. Nice to meet you. I'm Gabriel, right? No, this is like, uh, buddy, I'm Gabriel. I'm the messenger angel. My orders come direct from the boss. I stand, this is how we know that's what he's saying. I stand in the presence of God. (laughs) You were panicked to even come in this temple with your little rope. That's cute. I stand in front of him every day all the time. Do you think I'm making this up? It's a great chastised, right? I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. What's he saying? He's saying, accept it. Believe it. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not, what? Believe. Believe. Now we know. I wasn't just making it up. You did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Oh man, I offered you the best contract ever for your situation specific to you. And you want to doubt it and run your mouth? Let's make sure you don't run your mouth anymore. You're spewing lies. You're spewing sin. You know, to tell God or his messenger that they're wrong, whoops. 
So you're going to be a mute. You can't talk anymore. Verse 21, and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. Hey, uh, tug on the rope a little bit. <laughs> He's still there. What do we do? I'm not going to get him. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Did it work? And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. You know what she said? She said what you're saying. You've always been faithful. You've always been good. You've always been God. Oh, here's a story where the woman got it right and the dude got it wrong. I love that. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. We get this great story of this angel that comes to uh, Zechariah and says, hey, uh, I'm about to do some things. And I'm going to need you, not just believe it, but believe it in spite of everything you think you've seen. In spite of everything you think you know. I'm going to ask you to have faith. And for some reason, this is, is spinning in my head that we just saying that you've always been faithful. That's a statement about God. Yeah? Well, if he's always been faithful, then what should be our response? If he's faithful, then we should have faith in him. Zechariah has that opportunity. Do you have that opportunity? You do. Do you have challenges? Yes. Are they... Different than Zacharias, absolutely. But you have the same opportunity to engage with God in the best you can. And I think there's three great messages that come out of this. And I'm going to skip over the obvious one that we're headed towards Christmas and Jesus is about to be on the scene. The angel to Mary hasn't shown up yet. Uh, we're going to see that next week. Amen. But there's some other subtle things going on here that I want to make sure that we see. Preparation, number one, is a God-made event. All right, he wants to make ready for himself a people prepared. Great, then we need preparation. Awesome. Uh, let's go buy some ribbons. Um, we're going to get our Bible out and sit it open at the house so when people come by, they can read it or we can read it before dinner. Um, what else can we do for preparation? Let's go buy some food put in for time off. There's all these kind of preparations that we can do. What we need to understand is the preparations that we really need are the ones that only God can do. When God shows up on the scene and says, mm, I know you've never seen this before, but this is what I want to do with you. It requires us to adjust. It requires us to ask God, God, make some preparations in me. And he's going to, you know what he's going to say? All right, but this is going to hurt a little. 
had to give blood the other day. Can you just give blood without a needle? I mean, it would be so great. Is there a way to test for that stuff without the needle? No? Ashley prayed something else this morning. She said that when we go here, we go out of here, that we go out of here changed. Oh, it's such a great thought. It's devotional. I love it. You know what she's really saying? Is we have to change. We have to change to things that God makes, does, in preparation for drawing us to himself and to getting us in a position where we have an effect out with other people. Zachariah had a really hard time with that. Wait, how shall I know this? How's this going to happen? This doesn't make sense. Your timing stinks. <laughs> we got to be careful that we allow God to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And then it's like adjust, change, adapt. Or as the Boy Scouts say, be prepared. I love that. When they say it, it means they're going to do something so that they are prepared. They are being prepared. When God says it, it says be prepared, as in be someone that I prepare. You will be prepared by me. Love that. Zechariah has to buy into it. We have to buy into it as well. There's certain things that we don't understand when God says, do this, don't do that, follow me. Hey, I want to see obedience is what he's talking about. How I'm going to prepare you partially is through your own obedience. How cool is that? It's not, it's not cool, Scott. I have to do things I didn't want to do. I have to avoid things that I really like. Yeah, because God needs to teach you whether you should actually like some of those things and start to enjoying some of the things that you thought were costly or consuming or awkward, whatever. He says, no, I want to work on you. This is one of the longest messages from an angel, by the way, in Scripture. Five verses. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. That's like a whole paragraph. That angel starts talking. He says, yeah, we got a contract, but you're going to need to read the fine print. There's a lot of print. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You're going to name them this. And then we're going to do this. And da, da, da. Oh, by the way, oh, you want to mock this or question it? Okay, we're going to do mute now too. God has a lot of things he wants to do. Let's join into it. Second thing, we've got to, one, pray that God will prepare us, do the things that we need to be prepared. Really, that's change. Secondly, we need to remember current condition can create constant confusion. Current condition can create constant confusion. Why is that? We'll have this experience over and over. Every time I sit down, this happens. Okay, the next time you sit down, you think that's going to happen. You know that God will change things? And that means your current condition is different than your permanent condition. It's also different than your future condition. What, what are you talking about? How you are now 
is just now. Can God change it? Can God make it better? Can he take it away? Absolutely. Let's not get confused that what we think we've experienced, what we think our track record is, you don't know, I used to da da da. Great, great for you. It never means that God will do it that way again. He might make us wait. He might make us do something different. He might forcibly have you do something outside of your comfort level because he's got bigger, better plan. What? It's hard to convince people of that. It's even harder when you're in the middle of it. I mean, what if you found out you had a detached retina and they said, you got to come in today. And then when you come in today, they say, well, I, we're going to have to work on your other eye first to make sure it's okay. But that's all right. Come back tomorrow and we'll work on the detached retina eye. Oh, and by the way, when that's over, you're going to lay on your face for two weeks. Congratulations. Does that take a little bit of faith? Now, is it for something greater in the future? Yeah. So we're going to pray for Howard Miles. That's his story this week. Asked him if we could pray about it. He said yes. Thought I'd use it in the sermon. We got to remember that uh, confusion is our condition. Confusion is the most accurate descriptor of our current condition. Guess who's never confused? God. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how mysterious it gets, no matter how it feels irrational and doesn't make sense, you have to remember it totally makes sense to him. It's all in alignment. It's heading the exact direction at the correct speed with the right destination. And it's like, oh, well, let's, how do I enjoy the ride then? And how can I make sentences where all of the words start with C? Current condition can create constant confusion. Why is the word can in there? Shouldn't it say current condition creates constant confusion? How come I put can in there? Uh, for the canned food drive of non-perishable goods that we're going to bring for Tri-Valley Haven? No. It was a good commercial. What's the can in there for? It doesn't have to. You have a choice. Wow, you see what happens when you sit in the first two rows? You start getting all the answers. You have a choice in whether you'd be confused about your current condition. Or... You can decide, not confused. This is just current condition. It'll get better or it'll get worse. Either way, God's got a rope around me. Amen? Last one is this. His expression must outrank our experience. For Christmas to happen to Zachariah and Elizabeth. They had to get beyond their own experience and ask the question, 
what are you actually saying, God? Why did the angel, why did God mute Zach? Why did he mute him? I have to get your attention, Zach. You're running off at the mouth. You're going the wrong direction with this. I need you to more than have your attention, I need you to believe. Because once you believe, then obedience and wisdom and justice, these other things that are going to happen so that you can be a people prepared. My question for us this morning is, are God's expressions of who he is, what he did on the cross, what communion means, what Easter represents, the fulfillment of scripture that he would even show up as a baby born in a manger. All of those expressions, the stories of men and women prior and since, what, what weight, what value do they hold for you? How much do you believe so that you can move forward with excitement and anticipation? say, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be awesome. We've got to make sure that his expression is the most important thing. What he says about himself, what he says to us, what he tells us to do, what he tells us to avoid, that those become preeminent and prominent and they become defining factors that you base your decisions on. Because culture's just getting louder, folks. And how can we listen to that still, small voice of God? This is if you're paying attention, you can hear it, and it's, it's loud as trumpets. If you're not paying attention, you get sucked up in the whirlwind of everything else that's going by you. And you'll start having some different experiences. In fact, no matter what, you're going to have some different experiences. They'll just be either good or bad. And you have a choice. Amen? You get to choose how you approach this holiday season. You get the choice to how you pr pursue your family, how, uh, what you spend your time on, what comes out of your mouth, um, all of those things. Choose wisely in ways that glorify the Lord. Let's have this season be ours, not ours, but God's. Let's be, like, this is a Christian highlight month. Let's run with it. Invite people, spend time with people, pray for people, people, Howard. Uh, and let's do this in ways where it makes a difference. Amen? And then next week, come and hear about the angel to Mary. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thank you for Zachariah and Elizabeth, for Gabriel and the message that's, that this narrative that really is as poignant to us as it is to him, that all the same things, all the same doubts, all the same opportunities are afforded us just in unique ways that are specific to us. We thank you that you loved them. Do you address them right at their heart and their mind? What they really wanted, what they were really afraid of. Pray you do the same with us. 
pray you do the same with me. I pray, Lord, for anybody who's never made that decision. If you're here or you're watching online, maybe you're watching this later. Give your life to the Lord. Give yourself to the God of Christmas, the God of angels, the God of expression, the God who wants a regular interactive relationship with you all the time. Say that prayer and then let us know so that we can help you. We thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, folks, have a seat for a second. Stay online. We've got, some, uh, we've got some yeses and amens to talk about God's promises with what's going on in here. And maybe we get some lights on in here too um, so I can see some faces. Um, we were very excited moving forward as a church. Last week, we asked you as a congregation, hey, why don't you uh, initiate conversations with pastors, elders, staff about what would it look like us moving forward, being able to do membership classes, Sunday school classes, baptism classes and things on a Sunday morning, have everybody together. Uh, what would it look like for us to move in a direction where we could start a Sunday evening service eventually? And uh, part of the thinking on that was to combine services on Sunday morning. And so uh, we, I just want to thank so many of you. I, we heard probably over 30 family units, all positive. Uh, plenty of questions. Um, but we have an answer for you this morning. We're going to start uh, working towards one service at 10 a.m. Uh, we're going to do that on Christmas for the first time. Christmas is a Sunday this year. So we're going to do a, a 10 a.m. service on Christmas. And then moving forward, we're going to keep that 10 a.m. time slot. Okay? So you have two more weeks of 9 o'clock and two more weeks of 11 o'clock. And then we're going to be one big family, forced family, fun time, together on Sunday mornings. Children's ministry will still happen uh, at the same time. Uh, student ministry will be happening at the same time. We're going to work out some details on that as we move forward. Um, we will continue to project on YouTube, online feed, okay? Um, but we want you to be aware, and again, if you have more you want to talk about, contact staff, pastors, or elders, and we'll we'll be happy to discuss with you. Uh, Christmas Eve, we're going to be doing 3 o'clock and 4.30, so we'll do two services Christmas Eve. Um, we will, for the first time, YouTube project our 3 o'clock Christmas Eve. For those of you who can't be at church, now I want to say this. Be at church. It's Christmas Eve. If there's any way for you to be at church, be at church. And I mean beyond just here. If you're traveling and you're with family, go to their church, do their church service. I want no one to be able to say, oh, I'm going to stay home and watch Rock Bible rather than going to a church in person on Christmas Eve. Do that to the best you can. Now, some of you, it's not an option. 
And if we don't put it online, you got nothing. You get to watch, okay? I want seven people, that's it, on Christmas Eve. Everybody else is going to be in church, okay? And then we'll see you at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, uh, December 25th, moving forward. Amen. Lord, we thank you for Howard. Bless him, heal him. Amen. And may you walk as if an angel talked to you. Amen. Go with him. <laughs>